Good morning, West Hills. So thankful to worship with you again today. Uh, isn't TC and Stu awesome? I'm just, I'm so thankful for how they lead us. And um, man, as I'm thinking about that song that we, we just sang, I'm thinking about what a, what a beautiful Savior who not only forgives us of our sins, but helps us understand what the beautiful life really looks like. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. We talked about last week that uh, beauty is sometimes in the eye of the beholder. And in this season, I don't know about you, but I'm learning things about my spouse that I've never known. We're getting closer than we ever have before. And here's what I found out. I went to the cupboard the other day, and if you call it a cupboard, do we call it a cupboard? I don't know. I call it a cupboard. And I reached in there, and I found out, I found some, some Cheez-Its. And I grabbed me a giant handful of Cheez-Its, and I was excited about this moment and I, I popped a cheese in my mouth and then two and three and I thought, these taste, did, did they burn the entire box of cheese? And I looked at my wife, I said, baby, I think they, they burnt the entire box of Cheez-Its. And she said, no, no, those are extra toasty edition. And I said, who in their right mind would buy extra toasty, burnt Cheez-Its? Nobody likes burnt Cheez-Its. She, she looked at me and she said, I used to go through the boxes of Cheez-Its and look for the ones who were, that were extra toasty. I discovered something about my wife. See, she thinks that extra toasty Cheez-Its is something beautiful in life. I do not. But what an honor to have this season to get to know uh, my wife in a unique and different kind of way. It got me thinking, and I, I wanted to encourage uh, maybe every married couple today uh, would you do something with me? And just an invitation, but if you don't do this, you're going to be in trouble. So here you go. Ready? I want to encourage you. Would you invite your spouse on a date this week? Would you maybe think creatively outside the box, but what would it look like to, to go on a date this week with your spouse? And hey, listen, if you're watching and you're not married and you're like, what, what do I do? I want to encourage you, would you use this time to step closer to somebody in your life that means a lot to you? Maybe it's a, a neighbor or a friend or a family member, whatever that looks like. Would you step back in a little bit? See, in this time, when we get to know some of our significant others, it can cause what once was the opposites which attracted becomes the opposites which detract <laughs> And we can still step back in and begin to appreciate some of those things that maybe once attracted us. And I just want to use this time, and I just believe that God wants to redeem it and do something really, really unique. And if you decide to do that, and I, I want to encourage you, would you just uh, maybe post a picture, send an encouragement, help us see, let's join the party, and, and maybe let's, let's create a movement across the city to see that maybe, just maybe, we can still uh, draw closer to one another in this time. Do you know what this has also done this season? It has also been a revelation for, for us as we lead the church. As we look at what's going on behind the scenes, maybe some of you don't see this, but one of the things that we really appreciate about the direction and vision of, of our church in West Hills is that we've put a high value on actually having real relationship with one another. In this season, there's been a necessity of real relationship. And you guys are connecting through Zoom, through uh, different avenues of communication. You're staying connected. You're pastoring one another. You're loving one another. And it's caused us to still stay in, in a missional mindset in these days, together, moving in one direction, unified. And it's been so encouraging in this season just to see uh, how we are stepping in 
and carrying out the mission that Jesus has laid before us, the church. We're not only loving each other, but we're loving people outside of the church. We're meeting needs outside of the church. And so, man, I want to say thank you. And I'm encouraged to say, let's continue on because what we are doing matters. And we're seeing God use it in extraordinary ways. This is going to lead us into our series, uh, the second part of our series. And we're going to talk about the beautiful life today. If you're tuning in with us, maybe it's the second time. Maybe Easter was your first time and you're stepping back in. I just want to welcome you to a conversation And I want to encourage you at any moment, if you have questions, would you connect with us? Would you connect with us at any of our social media platforms, at Concord West Hills? You can choose any question at all. Nothing is off limits, and we would love to connect, answer any questions you might have, or just be there for you. If you'd like to connect with a group, you can also uh, join us there. You can reply, and we'll make sure that you get connected with a group of people who are running after it in these days. Man, I'm excited to step in the Word with you. If you've got your scripture today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read 10 verses. It's a little bit of reading, but I think this is, is going to be a wonderful day that God helps illuminate what the beautiful life can really look like. Paul, the writer of 2 Corinthians, helps us understand this. You ready? You got it? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses starting in 1 and going through 10. Let's read. The scripture says, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses." so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, as we, as we look at this passage, you have to understand, when you begin to read the Bible, you've got to understand what's going on in the background, what's going on around this passage. Why is Paul writing this letter? It helps us understand what really is being spoken in the scriptures. You see, here's what's going down. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. This is his second letter that he's written to this church. You see, in the first letter, here's here's what went down. The Spirit of God shows up in this church and begins to do extraordinary things. Miracles begin to happen. And people find out that the Spirit has gifted them in very unique ways. And when the Spirit gifts people, which... Understand, as the Spirit gifts you something, it's a free gift. It's irrevocable. It's not to be taken away. 
You can choose to use your gift poorly. And so in, in this church, the people who begin to see God do extraordinary things in and through their life, they begin to credit themselves with what God was doing. They begin to form a, an arrogant spirit about them. And so Paul writes in his first letter and he says, hey, listen, you can be super gifted. You can speak with the tongues of angels. But if you don't have love, you're a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. In other words, if it's not about the one who sent it, it's not about much. It's about the king who has loved you, thus we love others. And we use our gift to reveal the love of the universe, which is the king of the universe, Jesus. And he revealed this love on a cross. So never forget the main idea. Now, at that point, this offended many people. The second letter that Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he's actually making a personal defense. Because some of the people that he wrote that encouragement to, to remember, love's the main idea, don't think too highly of yourself, got pretty offended. They started actually pointing to Paul and saying, hey, listen, look at his life. He goes through terrible times. It's hardships all over the place in Paul's life. He's been forsaken by God. He's not even a real apostle. And so Paul begins to write this letter and he says, hey, listen, if anybody's got a reason to boast in what God's done, me, but I'm not going to boast in that. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because it reveals something about the beautiful life. And so he helps the church of Corinth understand even further what the beautiful life looks like. See, their idea of beautiful uh, was a position, a standard that they had devised, imagined in their mind, but isn't quite God's standard. So Paul is recalibrating the church to understand the fullness that yes, God brings blessing in our life, and yes, God allows hardship in our life, but he's with us in the midst of both. Let's understand more what the beautiful life really is. You see, we see the story of a man who is experiencing pain, like deep pain, not a little pain, deep pain. And this isn't just any kind of pain. See, it's not self-inflicted. This is pain from the outside coming in. Now, there's a very important distinction as we understand suffering. You see, the scripture in 2 Peter says that we as Christ followers should, should never suffer for, do, suffer for doing evil. Understand this, Paul was suffering because he was actually following the call of God on his life. And then an outside force was coming against him, buffeting, beating down. But the important distinction here is, listen, we were not meant to suffer for doing evil. Listen, if maybe you're experiencing some suffering, some pain, because you've stepped into something that you know is contrary to what God's got called on your life, I want to tell you there, there is still hope today. But the beautiful way is the encouragement that Jesus gives. Would you turn a different direction? Would you begin to, instead of going the way that maybe you thought was beautiful at one time, you're beginning to realize it's not so beautiful. Would you turn another direction? But as you turn another direction, uh, there's, an, there's an illustration in the scripture that infers stepping into light. It infers stepping into being known again. That's a scary thing sometimes. And I want to in, in, encourage you, wherever you are today, would you become known? And it might lead to some pain right off the bat, but it's a temporary kind of pain. You see, if you'll press into what God has called you into and step into honesty and allow yourself to be revealed to somebody else, and begin to walk another direction. The word, the word in the scripture is used to repent, to turn a different direction. Just begin walking another way. As you do, 
on the other side of that temporary suffering is a great kind of blessing. It's the better way. You have hope today in Jesus, and he invites you at any point where you are, just like the prodigal son, would you step up? Would you realize, my dad has everything I need. I can walk a different direction. He's invited you to walk a different direction. So no matter where you are today, you're allowed to step up, turn, and walk in a different way. It's scary, but on the other side, I promise you, God's waiting to run to you right in the moment when you decide, I'm going to walk a different direction. But what do we do? The question today is, what do we do with difficulty when we haven't asked for it or invited it? It's an outside force. This is exactly what Paul's experiencing. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, he says. A messenger of Satan to harass me. Three times, he says in verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He He asked God three times that this thing would go. And you know if Paul is begging God three times that something should leave his life, you know it's a big deal. It's not something small. Because of the chapter right ahead or right before uh, chapter 12, Paul describes for us a little bit of his life and he helps us understand the stuff that he's walked through. Listen to this. 11 verse 24, he says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less than one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea. I mean, Paul has walked a road that many of us haven't quite walked. And if you understand uh, the lashing of the Jews, 40 less than one, it's literally believed that at lash number 40 is the finish, the final, where you actually die. So right up to the edge of death, he's experienced that five times. He has really experienced some pain. But he's having something that the scripture doesn't let us in on. We don't really know what the thorn was. But it was something pretty terrible because he's begging God. And he's asking him, Lord, please take this away. Have you hit something today? Have you? That hurts really, really, really badly. Maybe something's hit you. It's pretty painful. Paul prays. I want to encourage you with this. Paul prays until he gets an answer. His first response is prayer. Right where you are, if you have something that's hit you like a ton of bricks, I want to encourage you, sometimes prayer is the last resort for our life, but it's really meant to be the first. But Paul doesn't stop until he gets an answer. He doesn't try to manipulate the situation. He doesn't try to take matters into his own hands. He goes to God first and asks for an answer. What is God's response to him? Does God take the thorn away from his life? Listen to this in verse 9. Here's God's response after Paul pleads three times. But he said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, God doesn't remove the problem, but he speaks to it, speaks right into that situation, and he says, My grace, that word grace is my favor. My favor is enough for you. You see, Paul had an idea of what grace could look like. Paul had an idea of the ideal. In your situation, as you think about maybe in the past of what has hit you, or expect that coming down the road, something's coming in from the outside that's going to be painful, it's going to be challenging. What do we do with that? We all have an idea of what could be 
a, a good situation for our life. What could actually fix or mitigate the situation? We all have that idea. Paul did too. His idea was, God, take this from me. Isn't that our first natural reaction to something that's painful? Oh, get it away. Let it go. That's Paul's. But that is not God's vision for the situation. And sometimes that doesn't feel so good. But the encouragement here is to discover a new depth of God that Paul had not quite understood before. Paul heard from the word. He heard God. He heard the living God speak in and go, my grace is my favor. Paul, see, you're you're focused on what could be your idea of grace. Would you receive mine today? Would you let me define for you what grace could look like? You see, in that moment, Paul is is faced with a, a, a decision. He can receive God's idea of grace, or he could take matters into his own hands. You have that very same decision. We each do, often. And sometimes, I'm going to be honest, um, prayer is not my first response, and I do take matters into my own hands, and I experience God's favor and grace on the other side as He redeems all situations and makes all things new, yes. But Paul decided that day to receive what God said is grace. My grace is enough. Would you receive that today from me? And this passage helps us understand that if you receive the truth from the king, then he will work all things and help us understand in ways that we have never been able to understand. He'll help us see things that we've never been able to understand and see. He'll help us get a brand new picture. He'll help us understand even further and deeper what beauty really could look like in our lives. And it's a different perspective than we could have produced in our own power. But Paul calls this a thorn. It's a very interesting word. Would you take this thorn from me, God? I don't want the thorn. Why thorn? I believe that it points us to what he realized in the grace being enough. See, Matthew 27, 29 says this, And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him, mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. You see, this is the grace that had been extended to Paul. You see, Jesus, he became the King of Thorns to give Paul a hope in the middle of his thorn. This is a truth for each one of us to receive today. That the King of the universe stepped down into our space, became the King of Thorns, bore thorns for you, that in the middle of your thorn that you might have a hope, a great and precious promise that the King of the universe has loved you and His grace was poured out as a free gift that He earned. We haven't earned it at all. We couldn't do it good enough. And yet He extends in the middle of His thorns favor and He says, I've loved you in the middle of my, of my pain and my punishment. I'm going to extend to you a favor from, from on high. I've loved you. And I proved it on a cross. And then I proved my authority by raising from the dead. Nothing can hold me down. And now I reign supreme over heaven and earth and I extend to you my favor. My grace is enough. And right where you sit today, my grace is enough. I I want you to hear that spoken over you as Paul heard it spoken over him. My grace is enough for you, my child. My grace is enough for you, my daughter. My grace is enough for you, my son. Would you receive that from me today? It's yours to receive. It's the free gift. 
available to you through Jesus. Paul realized that his thorn pointed him to other thorns. He was feeling the pain, but Jesus became the king of thorns to give us hope in ours. He brought a brand new perspective. Thus, here's what was produced, contentment. You see, Paul was no longer searching for his idea of a way to build a, a kind of grace in his life, to build this life that he wanted. It was no longer about that because the perspective began to enhance. It was more about the king of the universe who extended him something so much greater than he could ever receive in his own power, build in his own might. And we see this as we understand, therefore, in verses 9 and 10. Therefore, he says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This word rest is such a unique word. It's the only time that this word is actually ever used in the New Testament. This word rest means to build a tent. Some of the commentators believe that this word is actually a reference back to uh, the Old Testament. As a root word in, in this word is shek, which is the, the, a root word in, in Shekinah glory. It means the, 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 the tangible weight of God, the actual presence of the living God. What is Paul helping us understand? You see, when we understand that we are weak and we cannot build something good enough for our lives, we don't have the ability to actually have favor and grace apart from the king of the universe. We're dependent upon grace. We're dependent upon the truth that he's extended to us. When we recognize that and we become weak, then we experience that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What does that mean? The literal dynamite of God. When I surrender my idea of trying to build my own life and I allow the power of God to come upon me and I say, I am weak, would I see that you're strong. Lord, here's my little weak vessel. It says then, the power of Christ rests upon us. That means the power of Christ actually comes and erects a dwelling over us. And then we see that played out in Paul's life as he goes through all of these hardships. I think of the time when he's out at sea, the time that the story that he's talking about, and a great storm rises. And in the middle of the storm, Paul says, everyone, don't worry. We're going to be fine. Just stay on the boat. And as they stay on the boat, they throw everything overboard and they almost starve to death. They run ashore a few days later. They build a fire on the land and out comes a poisonous snake that bites Paul right on the hand. In the story, it says that Paul shakes the serpent off in the fire. Everyone that was on the ship that day thought this guy is cursed by the gods. He's been forsaken. Look at his life, cursed. All these bad things are happening to him. Paul not worried about a thing because he knows who is king. He knows who extends to him grace. He doesn't end up dying. And you know what happens next? Because of this act, because of this power that comes over Paul, everyone looks to him and says, this guy's a god. He's not cursed. He is a god. <gasps> Let's worship him. And Paul says, listen, I'm not a god. But the manifestation of power over my life points to the God. Let me introduce you to him. And he will meet you. And I want to encourage you. He will meet you right where you are. But you must come to the place of actually realizing that you don't have the power. And the power is not in your control. 
and the illusion of power is might being realized in this season, but you can come to the one. And if you understand your weakness, then he will be made strong in your life. Surrender the little vessel that you have and watch the power of God begin to come upon your life in a way and reveal not just to you, but to everyone around you. Surrender to the king today. Invite God today. Invite Jesus to say, hey, listen, Jesus, what is your idea of beautiful in my life in this season? What is it? I want to know it. Right where you are, you can call out to him and he will respond. He will answer. He'll begin to reveal those things. Would you call out to him until you get that response? Here's what I want us to remember today. Three things. Here's what the beautiful life points us to. First thing is this. The beautiful life is prayer first. Paul prays three times until he gets this answer. Would you seek the Lord for the answers that you're looking for? Maybe you've tried everything in your life to maybe gain control, gain composure, fix the situation. And I want to encourage you, these situations are meant to point us back to a perspective shift. Would you see the one who's actually in control? Would you see the one who actually has power? Would you invite his truth into the situation? And then would you step in with boldness and begin to respond in the way that God has invited you to respond? Watch the power of God come upon you in that moment and watch him begin to bring beauty from the ashes. The second thing is, the beautiful life is filled with the power of God. This is meant for you to experience. You see, the power of God is actually meant to be experienced. And then not just by you, but everyone around you. As you understand that your life and the beautiful life is not yours to conjure up, to imagine, to try to create in your own power. It's to be given, to be received. You can receive it from Jesus. And the way first is this. This is the power of God. Paul helps us understand that in Romans, where he says that the power of God is the gospel, the good news. I share that with you as you understand that the crown of thorns was put over Jesus. And if you receive this truth today, that the crown of thorns, the punishment for sin, was placed on Jesus first, and in the midst of punishment that he looked at you and he says, instead of punishment, I'm going to give you my favor. Receive his favor today. Receive forgiveness today. Do you feel guilty? Do you feel shame today? Right where you are, if you feel that, if you experience that, bring that brokenness to the king today. Offer it to him. Hand it to him. It's not yours to carry. <clears throat> bring it to the cross today and allow him to cover it. Allow him to bear it at the cross. You've got to bring it there. You've got to take it to the cross. And you've got to place it on Jesus. And then you've got to thank him for taking it because he will. Now, from that place, receive his favor. This is the promise that's extended to you. This is the power that will come upon you, but it's only through the good news. You must receive good news today. And it's not in your power, it's in his. Receive it from him. Favor from him. Not favor earned from you. Favor from him, earned from him. Jesus, give us favor today. I pray that you offer forgiveness today. God, I pray that somebody today is not feeling forgiven. God, I pray that forgiveness would, would enter their home today. God, I pray that your peace would enter their home today. And I pray that you would, they would experience your, your presence in their home today. And it wouldn't just be a, a feeling or a moment, but God, it would begin to extend to others around them as they're extended forgiveness today and they're receiving it. God, I pray that forgiveness would be extended to those in their life and they would experience the beautiful life today. The third thing, and the third thing and the final thing today is that the beautiful life is available to you. Not just you. The beautiful life is actually available to everyone. 
You say, Jay, I have a thorn and it's not beautiful. It's not beautiful at all. And I haven't done anything to get it. Or maybe you have. And I want to tell you that there's still hope for you today. There's hope in every situation. And there's hope because of what we talked about earlier. I want to finish with a story. You know, there's a a, a platform that Microsoft actually just came out with. It's a brand new operating system. It's their final one. And they called it uh, Microsoft Me for Millennial Edition. It had a unique uh, feature about it. It had a restore function feature. It's an odd feature, but for anybody who's not a computer expert, uh, it would allow you at any point, if you had maybe a system crash or something went wrong, you could restore your system back to a date and time that you desired. Wouldn't you like to do that? Maybe you'd like to do that with your life today. I remember the day and the moment that, that something happened. I made this decision that changed the trajectory. It shifted every aspect of my life. And now I'm a victim to everything that it caused. And I want to encourage you just in that moment that you made a crucial decision, another decision is available. You see, here is the, the, the decision that's available for us today. You see what Microsoft Windows calls System Restore. God calls redemption. And this System Restore is available to you. This beautiful way of life is available to you and everyone around you. Receive it today. Come to Jesus and allow him to give you exactly what you need. Meet you right in the middle of your thorns. Because in the middle of your thorns, recognize that he bore a crown of thorns, that he might transform the thorn that is in your life today. This is what transformed Paul's idea in his life, which he then extended and encouraged an entire church of people to understand that in his weakness, then the power of God can actually be seen. So what you might see as a thorn today, what you might see as a weakness today, I see as an opportunity from what the scripture points us to. God wants to show up and show out. Would you allow him to? Invite him into your situation. Ask him, what is your truth for me to receive today? That I might see a brand new perspective of life. Not my thorn, but your thorns. And in the midst of your thorns, you're going to transform what I see as my thorn. If you made this decision today, would you connect with us? Would you connect with us? But first, before you do that, pray. Pray first. Then, would you connect? If you have a question, if you want clarity, anything at all, at the bottom of your screen, you're going to see a way for you to connect. At any of our platforms, you can connect right here. Ask any question that you desire. Maybe you are a a seasoned Christian. You've been walking the good life for a long time. You've been experiencing the beauty of God, but you've maybe made a decision that you're experiencing some hardship. Or maybe you haven't made the decision it's entered your life. I want to encourage you. Would you reach out and do not do this alone? This is what the body of Christ was made for. This is what the church was meant to do. Walk alongside you in these days. Reach out. Don't do it alone. And remember, you're not alone. We are here for you, my friend, and we're excited to to step in and encourage in the days ahead. We're going to continue in our series about what this beautiful life continues to look like. But my prayer is today that we would see our weakness as an opportunity for God's manifest power to be revealed in and through our lives. Our prayer is that we would experience the power of God today as we receive all of the good things from Him. His grace is enough for us, my friend. What good news it is. Let's go share that in these days. I love you, church, and I'll see you next week.